<laughs> and now we can start. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Jordan Malley. Jordan, great to see you. Through our 670 scores. Scope, yep. Where is he? And it's right over there, Bill. Did Matt Peck yeah. get a signed copy of that book? No, Matt Peck, he didn't know. No. I'll talk to D. Rose. Yeah, got you. Matt, well, you will be getting your book soon. <laughs> Left side three. Remy. Remy. Got it. Clean, turn around, jumper up. Get it. Onions. Baby onions. Kobe White. Put him in the hole. On Bulls starts now. You can just see the vibe. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley, along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. Drop your text, your voicemails, anything you got for us, 331-979-1369. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. And tell them Locked On sent you. So Matt, I thought we were going to have a little bit of positivity today on this episode, and there plenty, there will be. I thought it was going to be one hundred percent, but uh, I what what is Reinsdorf doing with his baseball team, man? <laughs> like why? Like why are we doing this? I was already through this pain for three, four years with the Bulls. Why are they messing the socks up? Why are they doing this, man? What's up, Jordan? What's up, Bulls Nation? Um, and to those of you who are both Bulls and White Sox fans, I offer my deepest condolences. Um, I, I've seen a couple of people on Twitter so far, and you know this news just dropped about half an hour before we hopped on the mics today, that Tony LaRusse is the White Sox new manager. Um, I've seen a couple of people who are like, winning pedigree, great, awesome, love it. And the other 98% of White Sox fans are losing their minds and saying, are you fucking kidding me? How, how, how does this make any sense? He's ancient. He hasn't managed a baseball team in damn near a decade. He certainly doesn't seem to be somebody who can easily relate to this young uh, White Sox team that is trending upward on the south side right now. And, you know, on, on top of that, you have issues like, you know, he he blasted Colin Kaepernick. He's against athletes using their platform to do peaceful protesting things like kneeling during the anthem. You know, he said, if I were a manager these days, I would tell my, my players to keep that shit in the clubhouse. It's just a bad look of Jerry, you know, rekindling an old romance, hiring a guy that was, you know, this team's manager back in you know, late 70s to 80s. And, and we've heard Jerry Reinsdorf say it's one of the greatest regrets of my life letting Tony LaRusso go. It's the equivalent of picking a manager for your baseball team as saying we're getting younger and more athletic and then signing a 40-year-old Dwayne Wade. This is That is what this is. So I feel awful for White Sox fans and I'm so, so, so thankful that Jerry has actually given over the reins and let new people come in and run his basketball team because we've always heard over the years that the White Sox are his baby and the Bulls are his cash cow and he doesn't really care about the Bulls, but he still wants his fingerprints and his hands in the decision-making for the White Sox. And that was so evident with this decision. Uh, Jeff Passan basically confirming that in one of his tweets reporting on this earlier today saying this was a Jerry Reinsdorf decision and duh. Because nothing about this sounds like a Rick Hahn decision. That, that's our goal, to get younger, uh, at positions to get more athletic. 
go listen to our friends at Locked On White Sox today, too, if you are a White Sox fan and want to hear a little bit more about this. But Matt and I had an idea here, so you can, if you have no interest in crossing over with baseball and the Bulls, we're going to talk a little bit about the Bulls hiring John Bryant in the next episode, or in the next segment, and then we're also going to take a couple other Bulls notes and topics, one coming from The Athletic, tearing out the top 125 players, plus take your questions and uh, your text messages, too, throughout the rest of the week. But we wanted to kind of talk about the crossover here with the two organizations. And I feel like this crossover is long overdue, Matt, and we may need to even, like, cross over with Locked On Sox, too, to do a full episode and a full breakdown um, of both teams' histories and being owned by uh, by the same man and the same family in the Reinsdorfs. But, man, like, the only upside to this that I was saying to you off mic is, like, it seems like maybe Jerry's focus the last couple of years was more on the Bulls and felt more relaxed about the White Sox and the path that that was going on. And now he's kind of shifted directions, looked the other way and started to pay more attention to the Sox. And the Bulls are the ones benefiting from him just kind of letting maybe Michael and the people that are paying attention day to day for the Bulls take over and redesign and redo everything that's going on with that organization, man. I just... I, I don't get it. I, I I really don't get it. I was I was looking on Twitter last night, man. Marcus Stroman, who's gonna be is it gonna be a free agent, one that the Sox were looking to sign, somebody who was looking to come here and play for the White Sox. He was liking tweets left and right last night saying if the Sox hire Tony Larusa, good luck good luck signing any free agents, good luck signing Stroman, you can kiss Stroman but goodbye. It was all in his likes on Twitter. So if that isn't right. a statement that you're not getting free agents because of this hire, I don't know what is. Which is the same thing that we were like, you know, crying out about when we heard Jim Boylan say in an interview, well, if those free agents don't want to come here and play that way, then maybe we don't want those free agents. It's the, it's the exact same sentiment that had Bulls fans slapping their, you know, their hands against their faces and saying, are you are you kidding me with this bullshit? Because that's absolutely right. What free agents are going to want to come play for Tony Larusa, who is, you know, already one foot in the grave, hasn't, you know, hasn't managed a team in years, as I already noted. And everything that he said publicly over the last handful of years as just a baseball guy offering up his takes is so counterproductive and and like ass backwards compared to the, the youth movement that baseball is trying to do to save itself as younger people are losing interest in the sport in this country. And here's a prime perfect example of the same kind of shit that made Bulls fans go crazy about Jim Boylan's comments and like, oh, you know, boots to asses. We got to do this the right way. We've had some boots to asses and we'll continue to have that. If you recall, a bunch of old grumps got mad at Fernando Tatis after his grand slam when the Padres were up big earlier this season. You remember that? And here was Tony LaRusso's take on this quote. If you don't think sportsmanship belongs in the game, you're full of shit. It's just not sportsmanlike. Compare that to, oh, I don't know, say rising White Sox star Tim Anderson, who said the only thing he did wrong was apologize. Like, wh- how is LaRusa going to relate to any of his players? That's the same problem that the Bulls had with Boylan. And thank God we're past that. But Jerry clearly is still, you know, an old guy stuck in the past when it comes to his preferred team. I think it's interesting, Matt, because now that I think about it, and again, hindsight's twenty twenty. but is this similar to when a couple of years ago they asked Doug Collins, and believe me, I promise you they asked Doug Collins if he wanted to take over as head coach, Jerry would have let him. 
Jerry would have let him 100%. They would have let Hoiberg go, and they would have let Doug Collins take that seat. But I think Doug Collins was like, hell no, I don't want to coach anymore. So that's why they gave him that advisory role. It's like it's like over the last couple of years, last few years, Jerry feels like he needs to make up for these, these the mistakes maybe he's made with some of these organizations over the past, like right these wrongs and... I just I don't know maybe it's on his conscience and it's his teams he owns the teams he can do whatever he wants with any any of this but the blowback just doesn't make any sense like why did you build this rebuild up the way it was and why did you why did you let the organization look the way it did in one way and now make a move that's going to take you five steps back. Like same thing with the Bulls. Like there's so many parallels to what was going on with the Bulls and their disaster, and the Boylan hire too. And you you clearly knew it wasn't a fit. It didn't make any sense. Didn't make any sense from the go. So I I just man, I don't get it. And it's the constant seesaw we we have with being a Reinsdorf team fan. Like you're a fan of both of these teams, and if you're like me, like it. It sucks. It sucks when this happens. I just told you though, like for once, I'm glad it's not this. I'm not. I'm glad it's not the Bulls team. It's my childhood team in the Sox, but I'm glad it's not this Bulls team because this Bulls team is on a a fantastic direction, and we don't need decisions like that to to halter any more of the Bulls path. Yeah, and I think you know this decision highlights just how different the paths are because. Even just a couple of months ago, as White Sox fans were preparing for, okay, Ricky Renteria got us here. Now what's the next step? Uh, And a lot of people expected a change to come there. There was so much optimism around the White Sox as this young team that had, you know, finally started to put some of these farm pieces together and their rebuild looked a hell of a lot more promising than the Bulls. And, you know, don't get me wrong. The Bulls still have miles to go before they, you know, they get themselves on the right track. But at least Michael Reinsdorf convinced his dad after John Paxson convinced them to to go in a different direction and actually hand over authority to the new people to make the decisions. And that was what Bulls fans were worried about for a minute when Boylan hadn't been fired yet. But we got confirmation that that was actually the case. They are giving full basketball operations decision-making authority to the new people. This clearly is an example of Jerry doing the opposite with his baseball team because, I mean, we're already hearing all kinds of rumors, and we'll see what they say in their press conference later today, but that basically Rick Hahn said to them, look, if you insist on signing Tony La Russa to come manage this team, I want no part of it, and I'm out. So it's him or me. We'll see what kind of fallout you know happens in the next 24 hours based on that, but Jerry Reinsdorf just flat out made this decision and it's a bad one. And everybody in the city appears to agree that it's a bad one, except for Jerry. You said you had a falling out with Doug Collins. How would you characterize your relationship with him? Uh, really good. Yeah. I don't, not sure exactly um, how that report came to be. All right. I think that's enough on the Sox and the the Bulls for right now. Matt, I found that a couple days ago and I was crying laughing at that. Like, I totally forgot that he was even asked about that. Shout out to Cody Westerland. He used to just ask Boylan all these ridiculous questions, just get him fired up. So I, I, I will miss that. I keep saying it, but I will miss yeah. that to some extent. I Just one more quick thought, and this is actually just a tweet that I wanted to share uh, from our pal Matt Spiegel, uh, who works with you guys over at 670 The Score. The reaction to the La Russa rumors and now news is so universally sad and angry inside the fan base. It's remarkable 
that Jerry Reinsdorf either did not know this was the case or simply did not care. It's a fan base that feels loudly and aggressively insulted. How much can you take those exact words and put them in place of how Bulls fans have felt recently? And it's something you and I have talked about. Do Jerry and the Bulls, you know, front office not know or not care how much they have insulted and angered um, their fan base in recent years? There's, I don't think there's a better way to put it than that, right? Like there, there is no better way to put the put it than that. And like, especially for fans out there that are Bulls fans that maybe not live, don't live in the Chicago area, or not Sox fans, not baseball fans, don't really care. Maybe you live internationally and you're listening to us. And you're like, who gives a shit about baseball? But like, there is some clear parallels between the way that both organizations are run, and it it is it is wild too, Matt. You take the six championships away from the Bulls, and the Bulls are run even more like the Sox than they are like the the prestigious Bulls that they are right now. But again, that's a path we don't have to go down down today at least no let's not (laughs) um before we get to a really positive note i think in bulls nation and one of the first hires among billy donovan's staff want to tell you guys about our friends at rockauto.com rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers they have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps motor oil and even new carpet whether it's for your classic or daily driver get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so we know they sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So, Matt, we got some uh, some news that kind of, I felt, flew under the wire last night, and maybe there's not a whole lot to talk about here, but as I was doing some digging, the Bulls have added their first piece to Billy Donovan's coaching staff, and what I was telling you off, Mike, is I'm really, really thrilled about this hire. I don't know too much about John Bryant. John Bryant, former Six, Sixers assistant, he was uh, reported to take a position with the Bulls. It's not confirmed what position he's taken right now, but this was coming from Keith Pompey, our friend over at Locked On Sixers. Uh, so that was reported last night. The first thing I did was went to YouTube and went to Google and tried to find everything and anything I could find out about John Bryant. And man, the feedback I was getting and the videos I was watching, all good things, all completely line up with the same thought process Billy Donovan has and the motivation and the philosophies that AK and Mark Eversley have as well. What did you think about this? Yeah, I mean, I think it is another good example of the new tree of NBA connections that the new front office is building out. Because, you know, we, we just felt like we were stuck, you know, using the same Rolodex with four phone numbers in it during the car packs regime. And it drove the fan base crazy because, I mean, most logic would point to this being a Mark Eversley, you know, finger point to, hey, you know, th- this is a really strong up and coming coach that I had the pleasure of working with over in Philadelphia he certainly fits the mold of this player's first organization that we're trying to cultivate here now. And, um, 
one of the things that I found most interesting is the player uh, or the NBA Coaches Association website had a really cool video about him uh, that maybe we can share uh, on our Twitter feed that um, there's like an interview talking about his career and how he was never the best player in whatever stage of his playing career that he was, you know, high school getting recruited. He even, you know, was on a St. Joe team that, that went to the elite eight in college, but then he mostly just played overseas with, you know, some sprinkling into the, the NBA D league at a certain point and the ABA. But he said that he didn't truly fall in love with the game of basketball until he became a coach. And I thought that that was really fascinating uh, and, and a very encouraging sign because everybody who has talked about John Bryant or written about John Bryant since this news dropped has said basically the same thing, which is much like Billy Donovan, his ability to communicate and, and relate to players in today's NBA is second to none. And that's what this team really, really needs right now. The other thing I noticed just from scrolling through his Twitter, and I was actually blown away that he has less than a thousand followers, uh, but, and he tweets pretty decently. Like he just tweeted a couple hours ago. Um, he's friends with Mike Schmitz. It, if you know who Mike Schmitz is, he is the guy that ran basketball. What was it? Basketball Express? Is that, is that what I'm, we're going all the way back to Basketball Express now? Uh, before yeah, that was so. bought out by ESPN for a shitload of money. Um, uh, Draft Express? Draft, Draft Express. Ex- Draft, Draft Express. Express. That's what it is. Draft Express, uh, which was a great size. It was like the the number one resource I had in college when it was free. It was amazing. Uh, but it's still amazing content now. If you have ESPN Plus, you can go check that out. But like him and Mike Schmitz seem like they have a really close, tight knit relationship. Whether they're they're good friends because he's tweeting about him all the time too. So that makes me very intrigued about what his intel is on draft prospects, guys that are coming up, developing players, and his overall thoughts. So maybe we should keep tapped in on a little bit more of what Mike Schmidt's saying about uh, who the Bulls are looking into drafting, not only in with the number four pick, but also with that second round pick too. Uh, I noticed that, Matt, and I also noticed the heavy, heavy involvement John Bryant has in international basketball. And I know you and I were going back and forth about this, but he was part of that Nigerian team in the first AfroBasket tournament in 2015 to lead that Nigerian team to a uh, to a championship. So, and then he's been involved and, with various and also teams. with them in uh, in Rio in 2016, correct? Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's 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 another good addition to the Bulls becoming more of an international organization than they have been. Because it's so funny, we talk often about the global brand that the Chicago Bulls are but that mostly has just spoken to their profits and the recognizability of the Bulls logo since the days of Jordan. But it has not operated like the global big market brand that it is. And, you know, even with other recent additions, uh, like uh, one of the hirings they made, uh, that, that female uh, international scout the you know that we heard about a couple of weeks ago, and, and now another person on their staff with international experience, um, both playing professionally overseas and, and working with young talent overseas, coaching for national teams and things like that. Yeah, that, that is one of the biggest benefits, I feel, that we will experience in the, you know, Arturish regime because he apparently, you know, has a lot more influence and also puts more importance on international basketball than the Bulls have in recent years. 
it's good stuff too and like I, i'm assuming that him and mark eversley have a close bonded relationship and that was part of the reason why uh, him and ak were able to convince donovan like this guy thinks the same way that you do and i think can help expand not only your relationships with players but it just everything that i was reading about him aligned with what i read about donovan and overall philosophy and the way that they want a basketball team to play on the floor and also connect off the floor and he seems like an amazing guy so I'm glad he's a part of this staff I don't know what his role is going to be I'm assuming something similar to what with the Sixers he was a player development coach there Uh, the only video I could find of him talking about players was back from 2017 Matt in the summer league where he was talking about Furkan Korksma and being able to see him for the first time and evaluating scouting and drafting him and bringing him over so I thought that was intriguing too considering Considering the connections the Bulls have to international players, not only on their roster right now, but the players that they're looking at in this draft, considering Denny, Avija being one of them, and who knows, anybody else that maybe goes unsigned that, that he has connections to. I think this is just another valuable, valuable resource to have. Absolutely. And we'll see what further steps might uh, follow this one as far as Billy building out his staff. We know... Uh, that that Chris Fleming was the lone assistant to survive from Jim Boylan's staff, and the rest of them had been dismissed, even though one of them, I believe Nate Lesnar, uh, had just had his option picked up by the new front office before Donovan came in and decided to to clean house, essentially. You know, there's still a lot of talk about um, uh, Mo Cheeks, potentially, or, or you know, some other member of of Donovan's OKC staff to come here uh, and, and join in. But but as far as a first hire of an of the the staff being built around Donovan, from my initial research on on Brian, I, I think it's a great hire. So we'll continue to monitor all of that as well. And maybe if we find a more defined role, it would get the actual defined role once they make the hire actually official. We get the, the statement and everything. Uh, we'll get a better understanding of what his role is going to be with the team. And hopefully we get a chance to hear from him. Because, you know, the little videos that are out there of him circulating, one most notably made by the NBA Coaches Association, was really good about his path. It's about seven minutes if you want to check it out on YouTube. We'll post a link on Twitter as well underneath the episode. But uh, I thought it was really good. It was a good overall summary of who John Bryant is from a thousand feet and being able to understand his path and how he got here, too. Uh, So kudos to the Bulls making another good hire and we'll continue to see what they add to Donovan's staff. Matt, the last thing I wanted to get to before we get out of here is your thoughts. We've been pushing this off and pushing it, pushing it off, but I thought it was really interesting from The Athletic. Uh, over the course of the last couple of weeks, they've dropped a list of the top 125 players in the NBA, and they also tiered them out. So your initial reaction when you just saw this from a mere standpoint of they're going to consider analytics and building players around uh, and guys that would fit long term. When you thought about this, how many guys did you think were going to be a part of this list, a part of this tier system? I mean, I assumed it would be probably around a hundred, uh, you know, with their criteria of looking at not necessarily contract situation and and what the players are as assets, but just the the quality of their play uh, and certain advanced analytics stuff that they use, like uh, regularized adjusted plus minus player impact plus minus things of that nature um, to determine these these tiers and these rankings. I figured it would be about a hundred player list because that's certainly a, a common number that we see with other media publications that do these rankings. Uh, and then it turned out to be 
like more like 125. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Over five different tiers that they broke it up into. Yeah. And I also thought that the whole tier strategy was interesting and, and I kind of liked it because it was a, a simple way of saying, here's where these players are. And they didn't rank the players individually within their tiers. So like, you know, as example, if y'all haven't checked it out yet and and you should, um, tiers are broken up into numbers and then letters. So tier 1A is Giannis, Harden, Kawhi, and LeBron. Tier 1B, KD, and Steph. Then 2A, AD, Luka, Jokic, 2B, Dame, Jimmy Buckets, Joel Embiid. So basically, I like the way that they kind of broke in the tiers of stardom at the top. Because tier 1A is bona fide superstars. And then 1B is like, you would also probably say bona fide superstars. But given their injury situation right now, they were they were dragged a little bit in their ratings. And then tier 2A and 2B are like borderline superstars. Um, and then you have to go all the way down to tier 4 before you start talking about both players. So let's get into it. My initial thought on all of this, when I was reading it, it is fascinating because I love I love analytics. I love looking at outside of just the eye test and what you're seeing on the floor, but how the stats back up, back up some of these analysis. And I think it aligns a lot with what we would talk about in terms of, hey, here's the 10 best players. Here's the 25 best players. Here's the 50 best players. But I was actually a little shocked, Matt, that there was only two players from this Bulls team currently a part of this 125 top players and included in this tier system. Um, Before I reveal those two names, did you think that there was going to be two guys, more than two guys or less than two guys from the Bulls uh, listed on this? Well, so when I saw before looking at the rankings that they had... um, selected 125 players from this list I figured that there would probably be two Bulls players on it and I was correct in my guess as to who those two Bulls players were I thought maybe maybe a third would sneak in towards the very bottom uh, but I was not shocked that uh, that the Bulls did not have a third person on this list so those two players were not selected in the top three tiers. Not selected in the top three tiers. Both players included in the fourth tier of players in selection 4B. 4B including Otto Porter Jr. and Zach Levine. Not surprised that those both of those guys are included. I was actually a little shocked. Then maybe I shouldn't be by maybe Markin and not being on there uh, considering his rookie year, even in the fifth tier. But uh, yeah, I, I guess... I guess the way that they broke these analytics down and how they're projecting out the next three years, Markinen, Carter, Kobe White, and maybe there's not even enough information on guys like Carter and White because they haven't had full seasons to play yet, Kobe only having one rookie season. But So Otto Porter was tiered with this group which they called quote-unquote shooters. He was tiered with other guys like Joe Harris, J.J. Redick, and Bojan Bogdanovic. Uh, What was written here in the piece says, Otto Porter Jr. might be a surprise inclusion here, but he is among the more underrated deep shooters in the league with the versatility to knock down both open spot uh, spot ups and more difficult shots off movement. In fact, according to second spectrum data shared with The Athletic by a league source, Porter is the all-time leader since 2013 in three-point shooting off of movement, slightly ahead of and in the company of Redick, Kyle Korver, Clay Thompson, Duncan Robinson, and 
Davis Bertans. In fact, the main thing keeping Porter from being much higher on the tiers, he's 11th in three-year RAPM and 31st in three-year PIPM among active players, is his consistent inability to stay on the floor, averaging fewer than 1,500 minutes over the past three seasons as he's dealt with a variety of injuries. Matt, we've talked about this, talked about it, talked about it, talked about it, and harped on it. If Otto can just stay on the floor and stay healthy and be in shape, if he can do all three of those things, he can be a such a valuable asset for this Bulls team. And the Bulls have one more year to figure out whether or not they see him as a legitimate piece going forward for this team in the future. I don't I'm not putting any I'm not putting any money on it. I'm not banking on the fact that maybe he will stay here and things work out for the best, but if he has a full healthy season, the Bulls will get their their next shot to say, "Hey, we've got a guy here who we traded for, bloated contract. Maybe we can sign him long term and he's actually a piece that we want to develop." Uh, to hear that from somebody outside of the league, him lining up with those players among Redick, Corver, Thompson, and Duncan Robinson as as far as best three-point shooters, that's exactly what the Bulls have been looking for for so long on the wing. It's just about the ability to stay healthy. Were you surprised at hearing those names alongside Porter or any of that that you read from Porter being a part of this Tier 4? Yeah, I mean, I, the thing I was surprised by is that his shooting, um, you know, off of movement, as you had read, was ranked, you know, above or right next to some of these elite catch and shoot guys in the league, Corver, Thompson, Duncan Robinson, JJ Redick. Um, but it, it did make me think back to the trade that we made for Otto and how I was on board with it. And I think you were too, just knowing what his presence on the court could do to open up the Bulls offense a little bit, and not to mention being a quality you know defender on the wing as well. Uh, and just like a smart basketball player. Remember like the first, you know, six or seven games we got from him, uh, not in the, you know, 1920 season, but the previous season when he arrived via trade. And in the first few games, we just saw the Bulls offense functioning way more competently with him out there. We were like, oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, we like I he think got Jim why. Boylan an extension. Right. Like, I, I mean, the, the fact that that is. It just feels like a lifetime ago because now I think most of most of the fan base is thinking, oh, my God, Otto. Yeah, opting in 28 million. What a joke. He's not giving us dog shit like that's where we are now because the dude just can't stay on the floor. But when he arrived and has been healthy, he is a huge difference maker for this team. And there's a reason that he got that big contract in the first place. 100%. I'm even looking at like their his impact over the next three years, at least by wins what they project him out to be as a player over the next three years how many wins can he accumulate as a player he has at 20.4 wins compare that to a couple of other players below Otto Porter uh, looking at like guys like Patrick Beverly Ricky Rubio Spencer Dinwiddie and Levine who are all rated in these this tier system lower than Otto Porter is uh Patrick Beverly, 15 games over the next three years, he would have an impact in winning. Rubio, 23.7 wins. Spencer Dinwi, 15.9. And Matt, it brings us to our other guy in Zach Levine, who is estimated to impact a team in wins over the next three years at 5.9, which I was actually kind of blown away by. I was blown away that he would have that little of an impact impact on a team over the next three years, because I project him to have to be in his peak his prime of his career over the next three years and to have that little of an outcome, that little of a number being projected. I don't know that that discourages me a little bit. What about you? 
Yeah, I think it's fair to say that it's somewhat discouraging. Um, but but I also think that regardless of the long term future, I still see him being a valuable, serviceable piece for this season when the Bulls have a completely new coaching staff and are trying to take a first step out of the basement of the Eastern Conference. Um, you know, where he like stacks up against the other players on this list doesn't necessarily concern me as much as what a healthy player of his caliber can offer this team that hasn't gone anywhere. And yes, players availability and health has been a big part of that issue. So Zach Levine was categorized as a tier four B player, uh, grouped in offensive lead guards, other guards that they talked about here in this tiering, the same tiering as Zach Levine is Karius Levert. Funny that we talked about Karius Levert. Everybody, yeah, I noticed that, that too. That cracked me up. D'Angelo and Russell. It's like, oh my God, Levert Levine, what a ridiculous concept. <laughs> so Karius Levert, D'Angelo Russell, Lou Williams, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Zach Levine. Yeah, so there wasn't anything written specifically about Levine. Maybe a little bit intriguing to see him grouped with those guys, and maybe you can do a little bit of comparing and contrasting about lead guards and compare him to those four other names that The Athletic gave gave you in terms of their tiers and see where Levine kind of stacks up in that, in that essence. If you don't even want to take it to the next level and talk about him projecting out over the next couple of years to be on the same par as Devin Booker. Uh, this might be a more realistic option to look at those other four guards that we had just named. But I'm actually a little disappointed that he isn't higher. But again, like I've like a lot of people have been saying, if you're not winning games in the NBA, you're on losing teams, you ain't shit. So right, even it's true. Even when your offensive numbers are good, you ain't shit. Which is why you know the Suns haven't won shit. But Devin Booker found himself in the three B tier of these rankings. Uh, and, and, you know, between him and, and Zach Levine's 4B grouping, there are another 20, 25 some players. And, you know, obviously some of this is based on each player's effectiveness in their role with their team. But you look at some of the names in 4A, the tier above Zach, and you just kind of go, really? Brooke Lopez, Danilo Gallinari, Danny Green. Like, Really? Dragic, eh. Lamarcus Aldridge, like yeah, dude used to be a stud, but he's pretty old at this point. Kind of washed up. Robert Covington, like you know, some of these names in the four A tier are a little insulting to me. If I'm Zach Levine, some of those names, like specifically like Covington, kind of makes some sense. Like if you're thinking about guys that don't have two way ability yet guys that have have an elite skill on one side of the ball, Covington having the elite skill on the defensive end, probably one of the elite defenders in the NBA, if I'm not mistaken, and Zach Levine being one of the off- offensive and elite shooters in the NBA right now, elite scorers in the NBA right now, but can't, can't play defense at a consistent level to save his life over the last couple of years and look he hasn't had help either so I will I will give him a little bit of that but yeah I was a little surprised by some of the names that he was tiered off with but uh, I was actually a little encouraged looking at 5a and seeing some of the players that Otto and Levine were ahead of and saying okay if I can if I can put some optimistic spin on it there's a lot of players in that tier 5 group that I was like shit I you know there could have been a debate before looking at this that I thought those players were going to be ranked way higher than Levine or way higher than Porter. Um, 
so I'm excited. I'm excited. I think this might put a little bit of uh, a little bit of a microscope on these two players going into next season to see what they can actually, what kind of impact they can actually have for this Bulls team. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess I was overall disappointed that there was only two players on this list, but that just means that the Bulls have a lot of work to do, and we need one of these young guys t- to pan out and turn it around pretty quickly. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think. Uh We'll see. There, there's a chance that one of the other players on this top 125 list ends up in a Bulls jersey because of some big changes that the new front office makes sometime in the not too distant future. It's possible, um, but I think it's you know it's interesting to see where they stacked up in this in this new method of ranking system. And again, I was not surprised to see only Otto and Zach on this list. I wasn't necessarily super surprised to see them ranked where they were as far as that far down other than maybe a couple of names I mentioned being ahead of Zach but that is the sad reality of of where this Bulls team is right now and just how important it is to get some internal development and also potentially uh, you know some big roster shakeup down the line well, I think that's going to about do it here on Locked On Bulls. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Hit us up with your text messages, your voicemails. If you've got a thought, an opinion, hit us up at 331-979-1369. Drop your text, your voicemails, anything you got for us, 331-979-1369. Thanks to our friends at rockauto.com for supporting today's show. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley, Bulls Nation. Have a wonderful day. Be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out. Deuces. Locked On Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com 